this morning for a little while, I'd like for us to begin by studying the subject of bitterness, where the Bible gives us a warning in Hebrews chapter 12 about being careful lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness spring up and trouble you. And whenever we see in the Scriptures any verse that gives us a warning where it says, be careful, take heed, beware. The implication is that if I'm not careful and I don't take heed and I'm not aware, then I'm going to succumb to whatever the warning is about. You know, Jesus on, other, on several occasions, He gave warnings to His disciples. Take heed and beware of covetous. People's money and their riches have gained control over them today because they fail to be aware and maintain control over their money and riches. He says to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. I don't think any of us became Christians with the goal of being a hypocrite. (laughs) But we become hypocrites whenever we're not aware of the dangers of hypocrisy. And there's several take heed verses throughout the book of Hebrews when Paul was writing to Christians who were teetering in their faith. And he's saying, take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Take heed, take heed. And so when we see a take heed message or a take heed verse, we need to take heed. (laughs) Because the idea is if I don't take heed, as we're going to talk about today, I can become a bitter person. And we live in a world that's very bitter. We live in a culture where people are increasingly bitter. They're poisoned with with the venom of bitterness. And and, and it's understandable in the world, especially in the world where we accentuate ourselves and what is our right and we elevate ourselves because bitterness is born out of selfishness and a focus on self. But whenever we look at Christians, whenever Christians struggle with bitterness, that's something that we have to take very seriously. Because whenever we look at the dangers of bitterness, it's very devastating and it's very poisoning. And so this morning we're going to talk about why we need to be careful of bitterness and what are some of the signs of bitterness. Maybe you're a bitter person today. Maybe I'm a bitter person. I've struggled with bitterness in my life and I'm I'm sure that I'm going to assume that you have too. Because there are things that happen in our life that cause us to feel bitter. Things that people do to us that we feel like are unfair. Things that are unjust. Things that life does to us where we feel like we've been robbed. Maybe it's a a, a parent that was neglectful or a parent that was abusive or a parent that was taken away or a parent that was left. And as a young child, you grow up feeling like you were robbed of something And you're angry at life. You know, as a school counselor and talking to to kids, I see a very bitter generation of kids coming through. And all you have to do is stop and look at their parents. Their needs are not met. And they feel like life is unfair to them. And so bitterness is something that can take control of our life. And if you are struggling with bitterness or you know someone who is struggling with bitterness, it's important that we understand the subject and that we address the subject because it can be very devastating personally and it can be very devastating relationally. You know, the Bible tells us, turn with me to Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, and we'll begin reading and then we'll catch up with the slides once we get the techno. Uh, technology squared away. Paul says here, to pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. There we go. 
lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. <coughs> and in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32, the Bible tells us here, to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one towards another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. So in these two texts, we see Paul giving a warning, be careful of bitterness, and then he enjoins upon the Christian the obligation to put that bitterness away. <laughs> that as we live in this life, we're going to be subject to bitterness, and there are going to be struggles that we're going to deal with. And so we have to understand how to put that away. You know, as Christians, if we just simply live passively, all of these things that Paul tells us to be careful of will come upon us. We have to live intentionally and understand their dangers and have plans in place, have the knowledge base that's necessary to be able to put away what Paul says we need to put away. And so we need to look carefully and we need to put away. And so this morning we're going to look at the dangers of bitterness, what it is, and then this afternoon we'll look at what we need to do to put it away from us. Well, what is bitterness? The word bitterness comes from this Greek word, and the definition of the Greek word is acridity. Now, acridity, that's not a word I use a lot, and so, and it's probably not a word that a lot of us use a lot, but whenever you look at what acridity is, it is having an irritatingly strong and unpleasant taste or smell, especially poison. And so whenever you like you eat a lemon, it's something that's very bitter. You put it in your mouth and you bite it and then you make a face. Why? Because it's irritating, isn't it? Well, that's what bitterness is. It's a disposition or attitude that we possess that's very irritating and very unpleasant. How many of us like to be around bitter people? Okay. We don't like to be around bitter people. Just like we don't like to taste bitter things, we don't like to smell bitter things because it's irritating and it's something that's unpleasant. And in every definition that you look at concerning bitterness, one of the words that stands out is the word poison. If you're bitter, you're a poisoned person. If I'm bitter, I'm a poisoned person. In another lexicon, and looking at the definition of the Greek word, the definition was just simply venom. Think of bitterness as poison. Does anything good come from poison? Can you think of anything good that comes from poison? You know, whenever we look at things in our life, a very simple question to ask ourselves is, does anything good come from this? Well, if nothing good comes from it, then we have to put it away. Or get rid of it. And so if we're harboring any type of bitterness in our heart for whatever reason it might be, and for whatever reason we feel justified in harboring that, we have to understand that there's nothing good that comes from it and accept the responsibility to put it away and to also help other people put bitterness away in their life. Bitterness is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. It is a resentment. Have you ever felt like you were treated unfairly in life? Have you ever felt like you've experienced any injustice in life? That's usually where our bitterness comes from, when we get something that we feel like we don't deserve. And that's why in our society today, people are becoming so bitter because everybody is being told everything that they deserve. 
And then when they look at themselves and they think, I don't have it, then there's an injustice, there's an unfairness, and our attitudes and our dispositions become poisoned, and then we live as poisoned people. Now again, in the world we can understand that, but as Christians we can't. We can't. Because there's power to overcome bitterness in our life. And we want to underscore again the devastating effects in bitterness. Have you ever talked to somebody that's bitter? Has there ever been that church member that you've got to go see and you're just thinking, oh dear, do I have to make this visit again? (laughs) And then you go make the visit and you feel like you need to take a shower afterwards because it's just the bitterness and the vitriol that's harbored in hearts. And you can speak the goodness of God to people, but they can't get past the sense of injustice and unfairness that's happened in their life. So it's important, again, that we understand and identify the dangers of bitterness. Some observations about bitterness and just looking at some things that people have observed and said about bitterness that I thought would be interesting. Someone who is bitter is angry and happy because they cannot forget bad things that happened in the past. Have you had bad things happen in your past and do you dwell on those? Do you think about them? Do you go back and relive those memories of the bad things that someone has done to you or someone has said about you? Bitterness never draws us closer to God. Bitterness is non-productive. It's a toxic emotion, usually resulting from resentment over unmet needs. And oftentimes we're bitter over what others or life has done to us that's robbed us of something we needed. Look at your heart. And I look at my heart. Do we have any bitterness? And maybe we don't feel like we're bitter people. But whenever we look at the characteristics of being bitter, if any of those ring true to us, there's a root. There's a root. And we must address that lest that bitterness spring up and have devastating effects in our life. There's three things that I want us to understand about bitterness this morning. And the first thing is that bitterness is associated with falling short of the grace of God. Notice how that whenever Paul writes this, he says, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up. And so bitterness in our life is associated with people or with uh, the, the idea of falling short of the grace of God. What does it mean to fall short of the grace of God? Well, the word fall short means to be deficient. In other words, the influence and the power of God's grace in my life is deficient. And rather than allowing the power of God's grace in what God has done for me to influence the way that I live, I'm going to allow what other people in life has done to me. So that the influences of other people and the misfortunes of life are of a greater consequence and a greater influence in my life than what God has done for me. And you know, whenever you talk to bitter people and you try to point out to them what God has done for them, and yeah, yeah, I know that, but you don't understand. Oh, no, I understand. (laughs) And I understand that there's times that people go through many misfortunes. And they go through experiences that I tell you that I can't even relate to. And if I was in their shoes, I might would be a bitter person too. But I do know what the Bible says. 
And the Bible says in so many different ways that the influence of God's grace in my life and in your life has to be greater than any circumstance that this life can bring to bear on you and on me. And that's just the way it is. If my parents were abusive to me, that, again, and my heart breaks for people that go through those experiences and they live with the bitterness of parents who were derelict and their responsibilities. But the Bible still teaches, regardless of that, God's grace has to have greater power and influence in your life. Well, you don't know about this spouse and what they did to me and how they treated me and how I understand, or I don't understand, but I do know this. God's grace has to be of a greater influence and power in your life than anything that life brings our way. <laughs> the word deficient means to miss or to come up short. In Philippians 4 and verse 12, Paul uses the same word there to, and it's translated to suffer need. When he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, to be abound and to suffer need. And so if I'm a bitter person, if you're a bitter person, you are suffering and I am suffering from a need of God's grace in my life and in your life. And so the question is, what am I going to allow to be the greatest influence in my life. What God has done for me or what this person has said to me or what this person has done to me or what life has brought my way. And you see, if we're not careful, we will fail of the grace of God. Because if we're not careful, we'll let the immediate concerns of this life to crowd our minds and to take our focus and our understanding and our appreciation off of what God has done for us. You know, Peter talked about the person who, as the pig that goes back to its wallowing in the mire. He also talks about how that we're to add the Christian graces and how that we can forget that we were even forgiven of our sins. That we can get to the point that we can forget the redemptive work and the gracious work that God has done in our life. We've got to be careful never to forget that. Because whenever we forget that, then our hearts are going to be fertile ground for that root of bitterness to spring up. A heart not under the power and influence of God's grace is fertile ground for the growth and the development of bitterness. A bitter Christian fails in understanding and demonstrating the very power in which they have vested their trust and confidence for salvation. And while a bitter Christian holds others in disdain for their offenses against them, the bitter Christian is committing a greater offense in not understanding and practicing the grace that God has shown to them. You know, we're going to look at some characteristics of a bitter, a bitter person here towards the end. And, and one of the things of a, a characteristic of a bitter Christian is they're self-righteous. They set themselves up on a pedestal and they're right and everybody else is wrong in how that they treat them. 
And so they look at everyone else as having the greater offense when in reality the bitter person has the greater offense because they're not practicing and understanding the grace that God has shown to them. And so whenever we look at bitterness, the first thing that we have to understand is is that it is preceded by a falling away of the grace of God where God's grace is not of power and influence in my life. The second thing we want to look at is that bitterness has a troubling effect in our lives, personally and relationally. Paul says that we ask the root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble. And the word trouble means to crowd in, to annoy, to harm, or attack repeatedly to excite tumult or confusion or disorder. The mind of a Christian is to be a mind that is at peace in the confidence of the grace that God has given to us. But if we fall from that grace, and then we allow all of the tumultuous events of our life to fill our mind, it creates and stirs up within us trouble so that we have no peace. And if we have no peace within us, we can't have peace relationally with anyone else. Whenever you look at this word for trouble that's used here, it's only used two other times in the Scriptures. And it's used interestingly in reference to unclean spirits. In Luke chapter 6 and verse number 18, the Bible says, As well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. In Acts 5, 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. The word tormented here is the same word that Paul uses in Hebrews chapter 12 for troubled. So in other words, bitterness is like the torment of an unclean spirit, if we could make that parallel. How that that torment in an unclean spirit is something that takes control of them and seizes control of them where they act irrationally and can't interact with anyone else. Well, whenever we become bitter people, that's what we're doing. We have inner torment within us, and then it torments the relationships that we should have with each other. That's why we have to be aware of it and understand its dangerous effects. Bitterness is personally troubling as the bitter person holds to the initial troubling events and persistently experiences them at the attending miseries and resentments. As we said, it's something that crowds in the mind where we dwell and we brood on the unfairness and the injustice that's happened to us. We keep seeing that person. We keep hearing those piercing words. We keep recounting all of the things that have been taken away from us that we should have had. All of the needs that were not met. So that we become so troubled that we have no inner peace and can't function well in relations with other people. Bitterness is self-destructive. It's a source of constant harassment self-imposed by a person's unwillingness to spiritually deal with it. If you have bitterness, if I have bitterness, it ain't going away. If you're thinking that one day you're going to wake up or I'm going to wake up and it's going to be gone, that everything is going to be good, that won't happen. But rather it will be a continual torment that will continually challenge you and the relationships that you have day by day until it is spiritually 
dealt with. And then I like this last quote. Bitterness is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. <laughs> You're poisoning yourself. And I know and a lot of times whenever we get bitter, we get bitter because that feels like the right thing to do. I mean, if somebody treats you unfair and unjustly, feeling good's not the right thing, is it? There's an emotional imbalance, and, and, and we always want to feel balanced. And so if bad things happen to us, we want to feel bad, you know. We don't go to a funeral and act happy. We go to a funeral and we're sad because that's what the occasion dictates. And so a lot of times people feel bitter because they feel like that's just the way I'm supposed to feel. That's the emotionally balanced way to be. But that bitterness only poisons them. And so again, it's like, okay, there goes a rat, so I want to drink the poison. <laughs> and then I sit around and wait for the rat to die. Again, we have to understand the venom and the trouble that bitterness causes personally and causes relationally. And then the last thing that I want us to look at is that bitterness makes others worse. You ever been around a, better, a, a bitter person and you walked away feeling, that was so refreshing. I feel so built up and so encouraged. You don't do that, do you? Because bitter people don't make other people better. Bitter people make other people worse. The word defile that Paul uses there means to contaminate. It means to stain. Your bitterness, my bitterness, stains other people. You know, this, this word again, these words that Paul uses, they're very peculiar words in the Scriptures. They're not used over and over again. And this word that he uses here is used in John 18 and verse 28 where whenever Jesus went into the praetorium, the other Jews, they stayed outside because they didn't want to be defiled so that they might eat the Passover. And so if they would have gone in, they would have been defiled. They would have been unfit spiritually and unfit in order to take the Passover. And that's what bitterness does to people. It makes other people unfit. It makes them worse. It causes, it has a defiling impact. How many of us want to make the people around us that we love the most worse for knowing us? Well, that's what happens when we harbor bitterness. And sometimes our bitterness becomes more important to us than the people that we're supposed to be loved and caring for and nurturing. Our bitterness lends itself to making others unfit for religious or spiritual service. Rather than being edifying and encouraging, we work counter to everything we should be to those closest to us that we love. So if you're a bitter person, if I'm a bitter person... I need to accept the fact, as Paul says here, everybody around me that I'm in con, I'm making them worse for their experience with me. Now, who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? I'm making them worse. If you're bitter, don't begrudge people who do not want to come around you. They're exercising wisdom in knowing to stay away from you. And that's one of the things about bitter people. A lot of times they're the ones that will just hole up in their house and then sit around and complain that nobody will come visit them. 
Well, I wonder why. I wonder why. Do you want to go be poisoned? Do I want to go be poisoned? No. And so if we're bitter people, we need to understand that it's going to have an isolating effect in our life because people aren't going to want to be around us, and rightfully so. It's not that they don't want to be around you because they're mean. They don't want to be around you or they don't want to be around me because I'm poisoned. I'm poisoned. So bitterness can have an isolating effect. And again, don't complain if people don't want to be in your presence or they don't want to be in my presence. Count them wise and appreciate their good judgment. Parents, 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 your bitterness is so destructive to your children. Your bitterness. If you harbor bitterness as a parent, it's so destructive to your children, you cannot hide it. If you want motivation to put away your bitterness today, you look in the eyes of an innocent child. You look in the eyes of that child that's been entrusted to your care and your oversight. Because that bitterness that you have is going to poison that child. And again, I keep using my experiences as a school counselor, and I'm sorry if I go overboard with it. But, you know, you see kids and you talk to them and they're just bitter and they'll tell you, you don't know what I have to go through and, and they're just so bitter. And then, you, and, and then you meet the parents and it just, it's, it's all clear now. Bitterness is generational. Because children are then taught about how unfair the world is and how unjust the world is and how there's all these mean people out there that just treat us so unfairly. And so they grow up harboring that same bitterness. And you're poisoning them. And everything that you're suffering through as a parent, you're going to put them through the same thing. Children who spend their formative years in an environment tainted with bitterness can be defiled into a degree that's hard for them to overcome. Your life battle will become their life battle. You want your kids to have to fight the battles you're fighting? Put away your bitterness. If you want motivation to overcome your bitterness, look into the eyes of your innocent children. How many of us as parents would sit down and put a meal before our kids and then in the middle of the table of that meal would stick a bottle of poison? <laughs> Makes no sense, does it? Why would I want to stick poison on the middle of my dinner table to expose my kids to it? Well, if we're parents and we're living with bitterness before our kids, that's what we do every day. Every day. <clears throat> I got this picture off the internet. I hope he's no one's relative here, but... <laughs> Typed in bitterness and it came up, and that kind of a that's kind of a bitter, bitter look. How do I know if I'm a bitter person? You know, I got and, and looked at some counseling materials and just, you know, what are some what are some characteristics of a bitter person? And I'm not saying that if you have these characteristics, that automatically means you're bitter, but if you do have them, then probably need to look at yourself. And I need to look at myself too. And again, all of these lists, they were different depending on what authority that you talked to, but I, uh, I picked out the ones that I could reason about. Fixation on the past. You know, whenever you're around a bitter person, there's always a fixation on past evils that have happened to them. 
And they can't get beyond them. Can't get beyond them. They remember what that brother or sister in the Lord said to them that day. They remembered how that they were maybe treated unfairly at work or some life event that happened that they just just can't get over and there's just a fixation on the past. And they're letting the evils and the injustice and the unfairness of the past influence and guide and steer the direction of their future. So if you spend a lot of time thinking about the past, thinking about the bad things that have happened and thinking about the evils that have happened to you in the past, that might be an indication that you're bitter. As we talked about, those things are crowding your mind. They're tormenting. They're harassing and and, and making it unable for you to think and to see clearly the goodness that comes from God because you can't get beyond the badness of what people have done. Cynical. Cynical. You know, you just, life's terrible. (laughs) Nothing good happens. These are the joy squashers. If somebody has something good going on in their life, they're going to make sure that they do something about it because it's not supposed to be that way. Because I'm miserable and everybody else needs to be miserable with me. So they're always doubting. They're always criticizing. Somebody has a good idea, they're going to shoot that idea down because, after all, nothing ever works out the way it's supposed to. Nothing good ever happens to me. And again, they're always criticizing. You know, if somebody's got something good going on in their life, somebody's prospered, somebody is experiencing joy in their life, they're going to try to find some way to undermine that. They're going to criticize it. Because I'm not happy. I don't want you to be happy. And so they're always cynical. Self-righteous. Again, nobody understands life like me. Nobody understands what I've been through. And so all of these people that are coming to me and just talking to me about how I need to get over it and how I need to trust in God and how I need to pray and study and all of the good things, you don't know. You don't know what I've been through. And so, you know, my situation is different because we're all special people. I'm special. And so you can't reason with them. And they have an inflated ego. They become very jealous. Again, they hate to see people happy because they're not happy. And they can't, and and, and whenever we think of uh, of jealousy, it's not a matter of, okay, you know, seeing that and, uh, you know, feeling a sense of, of envy towards it. But it's just harboring a resentment towards people for being that way. And jealousy also to the extent that they can't enjoy any of the good things that they have in life because somebody else always has better. So they go to visit some family and they go into the family's home and it's a nice home and everything and, you know, just really decorated and looks really, really nice. And then they go into their home and instead of being thankful for the home that they have, they walk in and they begin to think about what they don't have. And they begin to think, you know, look at the dump I live in. It skews their view. Lack of positive relationships. 
You're poison. You can't have positive relationships. How can anything positive come from poison? Marital relationships, parent-child relationships, work relationships. No relationship is fulfilling. No relationship is positive. And the irony of it is this type of person just can't figure out why. And the problem is with everybody else because, see, I'm, they're self-righteous. And they never see themselves as the problem. And they become entitled. Everybody needs to consider what I think. Everybody needs to consider the way that I feel. Everybody needs to understand the things that, 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 that are important to me. And that sense of entitlement, again, it creates difficulty in relationships. And so whenever we look at bitterness, I hope that we've painted a picture of the devastation of bitterness in our life. And if you're here this morning and you're bitter, we don't, we're not saying this to impugn you, but to make you aware of the danger that's there. And that if it's not dealt with spiritually, it can grow and have devastating, in your li- devastating effects in your life and in the lives of the people that you love. And there's healing for bitterness. But first of all, we have to understand that we need to take heed. And again, I don't know the instances of your life, the experiences that you've been through. Given this number of people here, statistically thinking, there's probably some here who were abused by parents, who were neglected by parents. There's probably some here who have experienced other types of misfortunes that... That again, we just, it's hard to understand. And I want you to know that our heart hurts and our heart aches for you. And we don't want to minimize the devastation of any experience or unfair thing that you feel has happened in your life. That's not it. We want to be compassionate. And the way that we want to be compassionate is to point you in the direction of healing. Of healing. And to know that it's not just going to go away but rather it's going to continue to grow and have devastating effects in your life and in the lives of those that you love. So again, bitterness is a fruit of someone who's not living under the influence of God's grace. Bitterness produces constant torments and harassments personally and relationally. Bitterness contaminates others and brings harm to those who, are, who we are to be encouraging and edifying. And we need to always look carefully and put away bitterness from us. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you desire to be one through obedience to the gospel, we haven't talked about the first principles, but we have mentioned God's grace. It's a gift, it's a work that God does in your life that can supersede anything you've ever been through. You know, I may have had a parent neglect me, but you have a Father in heaven that has not neglected you. You may have had a parent or a spouse or someone hurt you and abuse you, but you have a Father in heaven today that's crying out with everything that He has in His heart to give to you what you need the most in that salvation in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He loves you. And His love is so great that regardless of whatever experience you've been through in life, His love can fill your heart. And bring peace to you personally and bring peace to you relationally. 
But most importantly, He can bring peace between you and Him. That your sin has separated you from God. And while you were a sinner, dead in your sins, Christ died for your sins. And through His blood, the shedding of His blood, He took your sins and paid the price to satisfy the righteous judgment of God so that you as a sinner can come and live holy before God.